Hey team, you're about to experience my interview with Justin Chen. Justin is the co-founder of PickFu. PickFu is a end-to-end -end customer data research and insights platform for e-commerce and omnichannel brands. They have a full suite of technology that allows you to put out polls and research opportunities to an entire group of potential researchers to jump in and give you instantaneous feedback on designs, on website designs, and so much more about your brand and about the initiatives that you have on your radar. Check it out. This is the E-Commerce Edge Podcast with your host, Jason Greenwood. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome Justin Chen to the podcast. Welcome, Justin. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure to have you along for the ride today. So you're going to be talking all about enterprise-grade consumer research, and you are the co-founder of Pick. Foo, am I saying yep. that right? Pick yep. Foo. Pick Foo. Yep. Love it. Love it. Because there's a few different ways you could say that. So <laughs> I want to make I want to make sure I say it. Oh, I could be I could all. be instantly offensive out of the gate. Let's try to avoid that. But tell us how you came to be in this space because I know that a lot of your work, your technology, your platform, and the research is targeted at retail brands. Mm. Oftentimes, a lot of e-commerce brands trying to. There seems to be this focus now, especially as we come into the crazy holiday season, cyber. When we look at cyber weekend, when we look at the holidays, people are really focused on zero and first party data more than ever before, especially with the death of third party cookies. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, consumer research is starting to become more of a pillar for a lot of these brands than perhaps it would have in times gone by where they could collect every piece of online data about a customer that they wanted and they could cookie you and chase you around the internet. They can't do that anymore. It's becoming harder and harder, especially with privacy moves with iOS and everything else. But yeah. before we get into the nitty gritty of the service you guys provide, how sure. did you come to be in this space? Yeah, we fell into it out of our own needs. My business partner, John and I were building a completely different business, let's see, over 15 years ago a different web business, and we were working on a redesign for it. So we were trying to figure out like which layout we wanted to go with, and we couldn't decide between, between the two of us. And as entrepreneurs, we, we tapped out all the good goodwill of our friends and family by that point. Like we had asked so many questions and they were starting to say, oh, what's best? Whatever you choose is going to be good. And it just, it wasn't useful anymore. So we wanted to get out of our heads. And the whole trend at that time was validation with real, get out of the office, go talk to people at a coffee shop. We're engineers. We don't want to do that. We want to do it digitally. So we built the solution. We built PickFu so that we can get strangers on the internet to give us feedback on our decisions. And so that's where the first version was born. We threw it up on online with a PayPal button, thinking that other entrepreneurs might find use from it. And it did. It got some traction, but we kept building our other business along the way and iterated on PicFu on the side. And it was really interesting to see the product evolve into what it is today. But we went through a few different industries. Uh, at first, it was a lot of authors actually testing book titles and book covers. So Tim Ferriss with 4-Hour Workweek popularized actual data to test your titles, right? He used, I think he used ads to test out which titles should work. That's where he got 4-Hour Workweek. So we, we had a lot of self-publishing authors trying to use this data to figure out like which title sounds best, which book cover design looks best. And so we're still quite popular in the self-publishing space and we're starting to see more 
But it wasn't until I would say 2018, 2019 when e-com found us. So we had already iterated the product quite a bit by then, but we, we were mentioned in a few different Amazon related podcasts and conferences as a way to, to get this first party data around main images. If you sell in a marketplace, especially Amazon or anything that's really competitive, the main image is what grabs the click. And not only do you need to understand, not only do you need to just see like whether or not you're winning, but you want to understand why. And that's where PickFu can come in because we do gather that qualitative feedback around, oh, I clicked on this one because the layout's better or I can see all the content or whatever it is. And so that kind of feedback really helps you improve your main images or anything that you're working on related to your product. And that's where it takes us today where we do focus a lot of our attention and the product development on the e-commerce space, because I think up and down that product development lifecycle, there are so many opportunities to, to use actual consumer insight to improve your chances of success, whether it's your branding, your product design, your packaging, and then of course, any of your marketing creatives. And I think you've touched on a key point there, which is that brands need something that scales, right? And so historically for that type of qualitative data. They've done A-B split testing. They've done real-time multivariate testing on their mm -hmm. site. They have used heat mapping technologies. They have used screen session recording technologies. They have employed a whole range of technologies to try to gather this information. But the one critical piece that I think is missing from that type of testing and that type of real-time feedback is actually giving a consumer or a potential consumer a list of questions or a list of tasks to complete and say, go and try to complete this series of tasks and give us feedback on, on obviously we're able to see because we're, we're probably going to be recording your screen, but tell us and talk us through verbally what the experience was like as you tried to complete these tasks. And so therefore, it's a much more deep it's a deeper level of feedback than what you can get just by recording a session, using a heat map, running some A-B tests on some buttons or some page layouts and diverting half your traffic to, to one page and diverting half the traffic. Mm -hmm. There's an element of the page or the design or the styling that you're trying to fix or address or upgrade or improve. Mm -hmm. That might be a low traffic page. It might be a low traffic scenario. And so therefore, if it's a home page, for example, sure, those are usually tend to be the highest traffic pages on a website. However, people tend to move off those pages very quickly because they're wanting to get to a category. They're wanting to get to a product page. They're wanting to figure out a product and identify a product to add to their cart and check out as fast as they possibly can in the lowest friction possible way. And when we think about competitors to your product, the mm -hmm. one that immediately leaps to mind is Google surveys, right? Mm -hmm. And they said that they don't, they yeah. no longer offer that product. But a few years ago, when we were doing a major redesign on a brand that I was working with at the time, we had to do a Google survey because we were going to make wholesale changes. We were actually doing a complete e-commerce replatform. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to get feedback on some prototypes of the new designs because we yeah. were making so we were actually making branding changes and we were making wholesale changes yeah. to the UX of the site. And short of implementing those wholesale changes, then running A B testing and then yeah. potentially having to make massive changes, wow, okay, that, that's a whole lot of double handling and cost and complexity. We wanted to get feedback before we exactly. implemented a brand new wholesale design. Yeah. Is is that kind of where you feel like you fit a new unique gap? A Sure, there's tools out there for A-B multivariate testing. Sure, there's heat mapping technology. 
Sure, there's screen recording technology, but you want you instead of being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, you want to try to make sure that there's no ambulance needed in the first place. That's right. Yeah. So a lot of times people come to us because they're trying to improve something on the marketing side because performance isn't doing well. So they're like, hey, I heard you you can help us get feedback on our main image or whatever it is. And they'll run a test on PicFu. Maybe it'll be their main image against their competitors just to see, okay, why, why am I losing? A lot of times you read through the written responses and the feedback is, oh, I don't like your branding. I don't like your packaging. I don't like your product design, your color suck, whatever it is, something core to the product, nothing to do with the layout. And that really sucks, right? Because as a seller, I already sunk all my inventory into this. Like I'm, this is what I have. But if you had gotten this feedback earlier, they would have given you that same feedback, but you wouldn't have already manufactured it. So now, uh, now you understand as a seller, okay, next time I rebrand or next time I work on my next product, I do need to get this feedback earlier. And that's the journey that we typically see is that they'll come for the emergency, then realize, okay, next time I'm going to be a little bit more preventive with it and actually design my products and design my packaging with consumer insight and iterating. And so the sweet spot that we're trying to occupy a little bit different than Google customer surveys, the Google surveys were typically still more longer form. I think you probably took some time to, to craft like a bunch of different questions. Maybe you had some, ex you obviously have some expertise, but I think a lot of, a lot of individual business owners don't have any of this expertise. And so the way that we're trying to attack it is in a much simpler manner. So a lot of ours are single question. We have a lot of templates built with pre-suggested questions and we want to enable anyone to be able to say, okay, I'm just working on the, the homepage hero for now. And I've got two versions of it. I'm just going to throw it up on PicFu 15 minutes later. Cool. Next, like next, I'm going to run a question about some copy. Cool. I'm going to do like a few variations of copy. And so trying to develop a much more iterative approach to, as you're doing the work, get the feedback in real time, as opposed to, okay, we're going to do a lot of planning, then write a, write a very long survey, then it's going to go out and it may take a little, take a little bit longer. But it, while you've shortcut a lot of that development and production pain, which you just mentioned, we're trying to make it even shorter. So as you're actually doing the work and we'll actually find designers, we'll see them run a test in the morning, see the feedback, make another version, 15 minutes later, pop another version. So they're just keep iterating based on that consumer feedback. And, and that's where we want to bake PicFu into anyone's process, get it into the hands of the people doing the work. So a lot of times it's the creative designers or the marketing managers themselves. It's no longer, oh, we need the consumer insights team or someone with expertise to do it for you. And how often do you feel that this would be better placed in the hands of say an agency or the, the providers, the vendors, yeah. the, the, the service providers that are working with these brands? Because again, we want to introduce this earlier in the cycle versus later in the cycle. And sure, you might have a designer that's Baymard qualified. And so they yep. know best practice across home category, product, cart, checkout, that if they're Baymard certified, they know some of the really key functions and features that reduce friction in the buyer's journey. But for whatever reason, they might need to do some brand specific things. They might need to do some category specific things or some vertical specific things. There might be differences in B2C, D2C, B2B, and those journeys are very different as mm. a result. And small catalog versus big catalog. We've got so many different permutations of these brands operating in the market and what their unique 
ICP is really going to expect from that journey mm. that even the best, most experienced designer in the world is unlikely to For nail sure. it bang on the first time around, no matter how good they are. And oftentimes you just need to be able to have maybe one or two variations on the theme to then be able to go to market and get some real-time feedback. And then the yep. designer can effectively have some validation that the direction that they're going is the right direction for those yep. customers. So is that something that you see moving up the stack in terms of instead of it landing in the lap of a brand to have to manage all this themselves, now we've actually got the creatives, the service designers, et cetera, using your platform to improve the service they give to brands. Yeah. And actually, the, the funny thing is we didn't realize how many of our customers were actually agencies and stuff. We, and stuff we started digging into it. We were talking to a bunch of customers and we just thought they were brands. But once we started talking, like, oh, no, actually, we're an agency. We're doing this for all these other brands. And we're wholeheartedly embracing that because I think you'll find that a lot of times when you teach people how to do it, they're like, that's great. Now, can you go do it for me? And that's typically when you bring an agency involved. We've got a whole agency program now where we partner with our agency customers to empower them, to teach them the best practices around PicFu and really try to bake it into their creative processes or whatever their listing management processes are to deliver that value to the brands without the brands necessarily having to learn how to do it themselves. Because sometimes they just want to say, hey, can you guys go handle this? I want to use PicFu. I don't want to do it myself. But in the process of whatever you're doing, can you bake in some of this consumer insights? Yeah, you're definitely right. And I, I think where they might be doing some of this pick-fooing themselves is just on the strategic things, like right? maybe some high-level idea validation or some open-ended questions around, we're thinking about designing this product, which way should we go? Those kinds of things. And then once they get to the nitty-gritty of like, all right, we're tailoring this product for this channel or this particular persona, yeah, then have the agency do the iteration at that point with PicFu. And how do you guys think about the scalability of this? Because it feels <laughs> like scaling is mm -hmm. one of the top priorities of any service like this. If you get 50 responses, maybe that's not enough response to validate a specific direction. And yeah. you want to get, you want to capture maybe a good cross section of society in general, richer demographics, poorer demographics, regional demographics, racial demographics. There's, there's a lot that comes into this, right? Sure. And each cohort is going to respond slightly differently based on a whole range of factors. And so I'm guessing that one of the benefits that you bring to the table is the ability to scale massively and getting potentially hundreds or thousands of responses across a wide range of demographics, wide range of genders, wide range of races, all those different things, socioeconomic status, all those different things. I'm guessing that one of your selling points, your UV, UVPs, is we can help you do this at scale in a cross-cohort way that would be virtually impossible to do on your own. So we tap into the same panels that like a Procter & Gamble or, any, or anything that you would be using for you know, enterprise market research. But we do obviously in a programmatic way, we built our own layer of data quality and audience targeting on top of that just to, to make it easier. Right now we focus on uh, speed and simplicity and quality as like our unique value. So we do encourage smaller sample sizes to, to get that quicker validation, because a lot of times what we're looking to do is validation of a direction as opposed to like hundred percent certainty, I guess there's no hundred percent, any of this, but that level of certainty. And I think it also comes down to 
because we pair the quantitative with the qualitative, like what the results come out to. If, if you're coming, if you're coming back with between a, a split test of 90, 10, but it's a smaller sample size, like you're still going to be fairly confident of, of the result. We offer a lot of different targeting. So if you do feel like you need to hit a certain uh, ratio or income range or even dog owners or something like that, like we can do that kind of targeting, but we do tend to focus on the more rapid iteration of things so that you're basically, as you're doing something, you're directionally like fine tuning so that you're not having to do, okay, I'm just going to do a big massive test of like hundreds of thousands of people at the end. Like I've already been like fine tuning along the way. And like you said, I think that the trend or the directionality of the responses is, I, I guess that's the key here, right? You're making micro adjustments yeah. as opposed to these macro adjustments that's over right. what we're trying to do is we're trying to minimize rework, right? I guess yeah. if we want to, if <laughs> we want to boil, boil this down to its component, most basic thing is we want to minimize rework. And the way we minimize rework is to not do so much work that needs reworking uh, yep. before yep. we start getting qualitative and quantitative feedback. And so what is the typical target sample size that you would recommend to be able to course correct in a rapid iter iteration type of way? What kind of sample sizes do you recommend? Yeah, so we see most of our brands testing 50 to 100 mm -hmm. people as they're doing iteration. And then maybe a 200 to 500 if they're trying to validate like a final change before putting something live or going into production. We could go bigger, but we honestly, we haven't had too many requests for it, even from some of our largest brands or some of our enterprise corporate brands. So 50 to 100 seems to be the, the right sweet spot for iteration and then maybe 100 to 500 for a little bit more certainty. And I see that you work with some bloody big brands. You work with Thracio, you work with King, Wayfair, yeah. DK, L'Oreal. You work with some big brands. And I would have thought it's, I guess it's cool. It must be pretty, a pretty high praise for you guys being a relatively small player. You're not a, yeah. you're not a global player in the enterprise market research space. But the fact that these brands are perhaps using you guys to validate their own work in-house, because a lot of these guys, they'll have in-house designers, right. they'll have in-house creatives, they'll have in-house marketers, they'll have, sure, they oftentimes will work with agencies too, but they have very strong brand direction, brand guidelines. Yeah. They have a lot more governance around brand. These bigger brands, basically, the bigger the brand, the more governance they have around their brand sure. because there's more to lose if they stuff it up, basically. Yeah. And so it must be pretty validating to you guys to be thinking, okay, it's not just these little brands that are trying to break out into the market that are using us. It's the bigger brands that you wouldn't think would necessarily want to be doing this level of validation, this what I call granular validation. Yeah. 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 I think it's been really interesting to see the evolution because I think when we started, our anticipation was that it would be the smaller ones that like didn't have access to these resources and be, would be willing to use this kind of feedback on like large brand decisions. But what's been cool to see is that as we moved up market into some of these larger companies, especially ones that have consumer insights teams, like large full-time consumer insights teams in-house, that it still is a great compliment because there are so many things that that insights team is doesn't have the time to do, or it wouldn't be worth the budget to spend running a test on some of these smaller things that you're trying to gather granular feedback on. And so... Now, when a team at L'Oreal or Thrasio is doing the creative design, whether it's like product design or maybe it's even social media or any of these marketing creatives, maybe it's like a, an ad that's going to go on a billboard or whatever it is, 
you probably would not have tapped the insights team to say, hey, I've got like three versions of this this ad or this billboard. Can you test it? No, they'd be like, no. Like, this, this, this we're is not going to spend hundred thousand dollars to test yeah. to test this, this design before we put up a billboard that's going to cost less than hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think we found a, a nice use within the teams that are just trying to do the work and and want to use data to guide those directions. Yeah, that that really makes sense. And are you guys trying to? And I know AI is a buzzword and you're probably not going to want to answer this, but the reality is, I guess through AI, you could make a prediction in any piece of creative. Let's say it's a logo and you got version one, version two, right? You could apply AI and machine vision to that and you could pr try to predict based on the thousands of pieces of feedback you've received historically against something. You yep. could let AI try to predict which one's going to be the winner and then validate whether how accurate the AI is. Mm -hmm. And I'm just using that as one example of how AI could be introduced into your product so that you can bring a predictive layer yeah. to the research in such a way that it, it, it almost in a way, it's almost like expanding the cohort via AI. Sure, you're going to still want real feedback from real humans, but I think adding an AI layer can add another level of validation at scale that's hard to get any other way. And obviously you've got so many data points to pull from over yep. so many different types of creative. It might be written creative. It might be visual creative, you know, color creative. There's so many things that are being tested through your platform at a given point in time. It feels almost like the perfect candidate for a bit of AI uh, to be brought to the tool. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, we have so many different data points across many different industries and, and creative types uh, with all that written feedback about each one. So there's a lot of interesting stuff that can be trained off of that. We're definitely trying to be careful about how we tiptoe along the line of true consumers versus AI feedback. I, I think there's a lot of worry about masquerading as one or the other. Hallucination. So, yeah, yeah. Hallucination is a huge issue and we've definitely done a lot of tests internally. And I think we'll always want to make sure that consumer feedback is like the heart of the business, but AI enhancement is definitely something that we're working on. Right now, what we've done with AI is use it to do the analysis of, of the results. And so if you're doing like 200, 500 responses, you've got all this written feedback and sure you could, even if you were to read all of it, having a human synthesize like all the different trends and all that kind of stuff, like impossible. And yes. So this is the perfect use of AI and I'm sure everyone's using this on reviews and all that kind of stuff, but using it to ingest all the written responses, giving you some some themes and some some actionable things that people are talking about. Like, oh, cool. Like the sentiment is get rid of that blue color. Great. <laughs> Someone else did all the analysis for me. We have a chat GPD style prompt where you can just ask a question of your results. Hey, dig a little bit deeper into like option B, like what really could we improve based off what everyone said? So that's kind of a fun way to use AI. And I think is is a safe way right now to to complement the actual consumer feedback that we do have. I guess one of the other things that AI could eventually help your teams with is recommending specific iterations or even creating those yes. iterations, yep. uh, almost like a mid-journey style AI being brought to it to say, okay, here's some proposed iterations of this yes. based on the feedback and based on these different classifications of feedback or buckets of feedback that we've put this into, we think this could be a design that you may want to test or some creative or some copy text that you want to test. Maybe here's some suggestions about a place you could go or direction you could go. And it feels like that would potentially allow, especially designers, to iterate at scale yep. potentially faster than trying to completely come up with everything yeah. from scratch. 
Yeah, for sure. I think we're like just one step away based off all the feedback that we're gathering and they're already giving you access to, to try the next version anyways. And for copy, it, it's already easier uh, because a lot of times when you're testing the copy, they give us feedback and then you could just ask using our prompt, hey, rewrite it based off all the feedback that you got. And oh, okay. That's those bullet points are fine now that they've incorporated all the concerns that people have raised and it's got all the best practices from the AI writing as well. And then you could immediately turn that back around and go get another round of human feedback based exactly. on that iteration instantly. And you could even potentially get to a point where it says, okay, after X number of responses, you create the iteration, you immediately turn that back around, put it back out. And maybe we say, okay, we're going to let AI drive three rounds of iteration before mm. to put it out to market before we have a human on our side, we review everything and, and yeah. bring the, the human sort of, I, I think of it almost like curation versus creation. Like the initial version has to be created out of the mind, I think of a human being, yeah. but I think the iterations, I think beyond the first version, then it's more curation than flat out creation from scratch. And it mm -hmm. feels like that's a place where AI performs pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an interesting ping-ponging back and forth between like humans and AI going in the future. Obviously, I think you, the unique ideas like should start with the humans. You're probably going to iterate with some AI generation. You'll want actual consumer feedback on those things and then go back and forth, right? As you, okay. Based off what the humans think, we're going to use AI to fine tune it and then keep going back and forth with that feedback and then finally end up with the best combination of all of our minds together. At the end of the day, it's still humans buying your product. So you still need to make sure anything you're putting out there, whether it's your product design or your copy or your marketing, any of that kind of stuff, it, it still has to resonate with actual humans. And are you guys working across perhaps user journey steps? So for example, let's say I'm a brand and I Let's say I'm a dropship brand mm -hmm. or like 50% of the products I sell dropship, 50% I, I hold inventory of. Are you able as a brand to ask a question that says something like, if you had the option of buying from a brand that dropshipped, meaning that they didn't ship it to you directly, but yeah. you could save 25% on this product yeah. versus – or effectively, would you pay more to a brand that is shipping directly from their own inventory, their own warehouse directly to your door? Or would you be prepared to buy off a brand that is a drop shipping brand if you could save 25% more on your purchase? Those kind of almost UXE brand experiential yeah. type of questions, or is that stuff that you think eh, that doesn't really work very well with the kind of work we do? Yeah, we actually do have a lot of people testing out those kinds of beha behavioral hypothetical situations. And a lot of times they would just write it out like as two different options. If you were to buy this product, and here were the value propositions, essentially. You could buy it on our website and it's going to be this much. Or you could buy it through this other website or a marketplace and it's going to be this much with the shipping as such and whatever, lay it all out and have them choose which one they would do and then they'll explain why. And so we get a lot of this, like a general idea validation. Or even if you didn't have two options, you could just say, here's what I'm thinking, poke holes into it, right? I'm thinking of doing this. I'm going to sell it at this price. It's going to take 14 days to ship. Like whatever it is, give me open-ended feedback on it. And it's a pretty popular thing to do. Even when you're testing out like pricing combos, perhaps I'm going to sell like this water pitcher. Maybe I'm going to do two for this price or one for this price or three for this. And it includes like a strainer or whatever it is, like which hypothetical combos would you be interested in buying? And that might give me a better sense of what to actually go to market with for sure.
and I guess this is perfect timing in terms of Cyber Weekend, uh, mm -hmm. holidays coming up, all these types of things when brands are trying to think of ways to increase the volume and type of bundles, kits, yeah. combos that That's they right. do because they don't want to – maybe they know that their AOV is going to take a hit automatically, but they don't want their unit sales to take a hit. They're, they're saying, okay, maybe my AOV is going to take a hit, but my unit sales – I need, I definitely need to boost my unit sales. And I want to do as many sales as possible because I'm going to be able to collect more data on those buyers through the process. And this is a perfect opportunity to mm -hmm. – maybe I'm not going to be as profitable during this period, but yeah. I've either got to earn or I've got to learn. And this is a great opportunity to learn at scale because I have – the TAM explodes during sale periods. And so – they're going, okay, cool. I'm thinking of doing maybe these three different types of bundles and maybe here's a, maybe here's a Christmas package, for example, mm -hmm. that I'm thinking mm -hmm. of marketing. Maybe I'd ask the question of what would you pay for this bundle, for mm -hmm. example. Here's how much of each of these individual pieces would cost yeah. on their own, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you pay mm -hmm. if we bundled these together as a kit? What would you pay? And maybe that's a bit of pricing validation. It's a bit of, it's a bit of productization, rationalization. So it feels like this is ki the kind of thing where – Instead of actually having to go to the effort to create this, the bundle SKU, to create the bomb in your ERP, to have to go have to do the, the merchandising and the descriptions and the attributes and all that stuff to get these products live on your site to wonder, is it actually going to sell or not sell? Yeah. You can do a, a lot more pre-validation before you go down the product development path. Yeah, for sure. I think testing hypothetical situations is the way we always like to put it. Like Whatever you're thinking about hypothetically, and sure, you may be able to validate it but we're trying to minimize rework, just like you said, right? Another way you could do what you were just saying is maybe you have a bunch of different things that you could potentially bundle up. And so put them into an image and just say, hey, here are all the things I offer for sale. They're all related, obviously. What's the bundle that you would want? Oh, so I want two spoons and one tongs or whatever it is. Like, oh, that's interesting. I would never have thought of that combo. But if everyone's saying that, maybe there's something there. I think that's the trouble is that we're always limited by our own imagination as the brand or the seller. But you put it out to your customers and maybe they've said this in your reviews or whatever it is. But, oh, I didn't even know that was a, a possibility to, to buy a combo like that. Here's what I would want because I've got a family of three or whatever and I need three of these and two of those or whatever it is. Yeah, makes complete sense. And how do you guys make your money? Is it per? Is it based on a per response thing? Is it, I guess, basically, how, do people prepay in advance? Oh, I see. You've got a free plan, $0 professional team, typical SaaS model, and then you've got a kind of a per response cost uh, yep. associated with that particular tier. And then it looks like you've also got enterprise plans available as well. Yeah. So at its core, it's always pay as you go, uh, dollar per response. So we keep it super simple. You never need a subscription to, to run any of our polls. Uh, we're trying to make it so that there's no platform access fees. We're just trying to democratize it for everyone. So dollar per response, it goes up with targeting or complexity of the poll. For 50 bucks, you can get 50 responses, but it might be like 80 if you've got some targeting or something like that. If you're doing things at volume, then we do have plans or the prepaid like volume discounts and our more advanced and savvier people will take advantage of both those things. And then we do have enterprise plans where we can do invoicing and different levels of support and training and all that kind of stuff. But at its core, it's all self-service. So anyone could hop on and tap into our panels. And so one of the things that we've been focused on lately is we launch with US-based respondents, but we've been expanding to non-US as well. So Australia, Canada, UK, Germany, and then there's, there's a few other countries coming down the line this year. And so it's really nice to empower people to tap into audiences that they're not their native buyer, right? So. A lot of times you might have someone from 
China selling it to Germany and they want to get some feedback from the German audience, right? Like incredibly hard otherwise. Yeah. And we're like, we try to take care of all that. We handle all the translation of the questions and the form is obviously translated and responses are going to come in German. We'll always provide the original German responses, but we'll also try to auto translate and all that kind of stuff. So just making it easier for everyone to cross border conduct commerce. Commerce market research at scale, like exactly. it. Exactly. And yeah. what is there anything that your customers are asking you for today that you don't do? Or is there anything on your roadmap, say over the next 12 months, you say, we don't do this, but we think this is a ripe market and a ripe opportunity for us. So we think over the next 12 months, if we offer yeah. this additional piece of functionality, it's going to open up a whole new maybe sector for us. What's on your radar when you look out over the next 12, 18 months for you guys? Yeah. I mentioned earlier that we try to keep things simple with the single question. Of course, as we've gotten more advanced customers coming on or and they become more used to using PickFood, they want more complexity. So they do ask for multi-question. That is something that we're working on right now. It should be previewing in the next couple of months. So while we do want to keep the core experience extremely simple and fast, we do recognize that there are other times where I do want to ask a sequence of five questions to the same audience and it does make sense, but we'll try not to burden like the less ex experienced <laughs> customers, but make it available to the, the more advanced ones. And I guess you already offer the kind of the enterprise negotiated plan for agencies that maybe effectively want to white label your service, things like that. You already offer the, the higher level of support for agency yes. slash large scale consumers of your technology that are actually effectively on selling those services into their customers. Yeah, so we do have a, an agency like program where they get a trade discount and depending on how they want to run their business, they may either resell it, resell the actual polls that they're running, or maybe they're bundling it into the expenses depending on their business model. We also have some integration op options as well. We've white labeled the product into other software tools as well. If, if they wanted to offer this kind of functionality and it wasn't core to what they're already offering to their customer base, then they could offer rapid consumer insights within their own platform. So... Canva, Figma, if you're listening, <laughs> then they could, exactly. of course, integrate this into their own platform, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they're creating, their customers are creating a bunch of things and they would need to get feedback on it. So it would be a natural fit. Okay, cool, cool. Look, again, we'll put this, we'll put this out there. Mel Perkins, listen up. <laughs> Come and have a chat with, with Justin as soon as you possible. Heard it here, heard it here first. Let, let's sort this out. Let's sort this out. If I can hook you guys up. Listen, this is super exciting. I, I think that this is something, there's definitely 100% a gap in the market here. Mm -hmm. I see it. I feel it. I hear it. When I'm doing discovery with my clients around trying to help them even figure out what their requirements are, often in a replatform scenario, they sometimes don't even know the direction they mm. should be going with a decision mm. on a specific, maybe it's an operational function in the business. Should we be, do, go this way or should we go this way as it impacts the UX of our end customers? And so it Got feels it. like where they would normally be a bit of a deer in the headlights and maybe they would try to then go out to their existing customers and yep. try to ask a bunch of questions and things like that. But that, first of all, you can't be guaranteed of, of any kind of response rates. You can't be guaranteed of how fast the customers are going to respond. Yeah. Uh, of course, you, you definitely want to be talking to your customers at scale, yep. but sometimes there's time constraints that just don't allow you to do that at scale. And so it feels like you guys can bring that speed to the decision-making process that's really hard to get, even if you are constantly talking to your customers. Yeah. And I think you put it perfectly is that we're filling those gaps and it's not that we're trying to replace talking to your customers or, or consumer insights at a larger scale of larger folk in-person focus groups or longer surveys or whatever it is. Those are all things that should continue to happen. 
everything in between where you're still doing the work and making progress towards those goals, you probably weren't gathering any kind of target customer feedback. And so we're just trying to make sure that as you're still doing that work, as you're getting ready to go out to like your customers with like a couple finalized version, you don't want to half bake stuff and just send it to your customers because that doesn't look good for you either. Send the half bake stuff to PickFu. It's all hypothetical. It's fine. It's gonna, not going to get published out into the, the web and your customers aren't going to think worse of you for, man, why do they keep showing me these weird website designs that we never see it, but they just keep iterating and they keep bugging us with all these emails and like, it's, that's not a great experience. Once in a while, sure. Hey, we're going to do this relaunch. Two really baked options that we've been working on. Now you can give some feedback. Like that would be a better use of their time. To totally agree. Could not uh, agree more. Now, as we come to the end of our time together, and I really appreciate your time. Look, this is this has been so enjoyable. The time has just absolutely flown by. This ended up being. I almost hate to admit it, but it ended up being a more enjoyable, more interesting conversation than I anticipated it would be. Like I, lo I love this whole consumer research space is just such a fast moving beast with privacy controls coming in. There's the, we just can't collect the same level of data. Mm -hmm. The major social platforms are collecting the data, but they're not sharing it with us anymore. The reality is that the walled gardens are going up. So the yeah. amount of sort of consumer research we can do at scale across social is limited. The reality is brands need a solution to this exact problem as they're rapidly iterating in inside their business. Yeah. And it feels like this is a unique problem with a unique solution that you provide. And I really like that. I love unique solutions uh, to problems in our industry. And it feels like you've tapped into the the zeitgeist of exactly what the market needs i realize you've been doing this for a very long time you've been doing yeah. this for nearly 15 years so <laughs> it's not like you're new at this game but it feels like kind of you're coming into your own yeah right the timing, now. The timing uh, is right yeah yeah the timing is very good especially with ai being able to help you guys scale now we're at the time where now i get to flip the script i get to hand the microphone over to you i get to let you ask me one question any question you like can be personal or professional so justin from PickFu, what is your question for me today Oh, okay. Let's see. What are the biggest issues that your customers are bringing to you? I, I think one of the, the challenges that I'm dealing with on an almost daily basis or why I exist, well, you know, why does, do I exist in the market as a consultant? Why do my services exist? It's always pre-agency or I'd say 95% of the time pre-agency. And when I say pre-agency, it's Agencies will always have a specialism. So not only will they have a specialism mm -hmm. in terms of maybe they're a creative agency or maybe mm -hmm. they're a dev agency or maybe they're an analytics agency or whatever, but they will also have a specialization in terms of technology that they specialize mm -hmm. in because they can't specialize in everything. So sure. maybe they'll specialize in e-com or ERP yeah. or CRM or PIM or CDP or whatever it is. And then even within those specialisms, they'll specialize in specific brand name platforms. They might sure. specialize in Magento or yeah. e-commerce or whatever it is. And so by the time a customer gets to them, the reality is if, if they have a hammer, every single problem looks like a nail, right? Sure. That's the reality. And so when customers or brands get into discovery with these agencies, oftentimes, and I know because I've run agencies, when you get into discovery, sometimes half the questions that you get answered by the, the merchant are, I don't know, you're the expert, aren't you supposed to have the answers? Yeah. And the reality is no, strategy has to come from the brand. The tactics and the implementation can all, you can, most of the time be outsourced, but it's, it's almost impossible to outsource strategy. In fact, you mm -hmm. shouldn't be outsourcing strategy. You can get feedback on your strategy, but it has to be, it's an internal piece of work, right? Yeah. And so what I help brands do and where they really struggle is how to even identify what their requirements are or should be. 
they, they don't just don't even, they don't even know where to start. They don't even know yeah. the questions to ask themselves yeah. internally to get to, a, say, for example, a business requirements document, or they don't know how to do search and select for technology because they don't know the questions to ask of the vendors in mm -hmm. relation to their requirements. They don't know they, they just don't know what to ask. And they don't know how to do search and select for partners that will be a good fit for them. And so those are the gaps that I fill. So I get them. Right. I usually do all that upfront, messy, ugly work that agencies yeah. really aren't set up to do, that strategic work upfront. Yeah. Get them through to the solution architecture phase, the high-level solution architecture phase. We know the target systems. We know the target integrations. And then I can help them also craft the final BRD, get that out to two or three agency partners or whatever, get the proposals back and then help them compare those on a more apples to apples basis so that they can pick a partner that they can form a long-term relationship with instead of just basing it on price, for example. And so that's really the, the challenge that I see most brands struggling with when they're looking at significant, because I work across four main pillars, people, process, tech, and data. And oftentimes they have challenges across all four of those pillars. They don't really know what their org design needs to be. Yeah. They don't really know how to do a proper process design process internally. They don't know how to select tech to help deliver the customer experience they're wanting to deliver. And they don't understand how to prepare their data, both product and customer data for digital channels. They just don't, they just don't know a process to yeah. get there. It's not that they don't want to get there. It's that just, they just don't know where to start. Yeah. And so I, I help them with that messy upfront bit and then hand them over because I don't do implementations. I'm just a pure consultancy. Like I don't have developers. I don't have a dog in this fight in terms of the stack that's going to work good for them or the process that's going to work good for them. So I see myself primarily as a translator. I translate business requirements into technical and solution requirements and vice versa. I, tr I translate that back for them. So they go, okay, I understand how this technology is going to create the customer journey that we expect for our customers and for ourselves. Yeah, that, that's the challenge I see. I, I see brands, they want to make change. They want to improve, but they don't know where to begin. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And I think we, we see the same thing because like you said, I think it's easy for brands to be exposed to all kinds of service providers or technologies all the time. And it's cool. That sounds like what I need. But first of all, is it what you need? And then are you going to know how to actually implement it into your strategy or to your organization in an effective way. And I think that's the challenge that we also see. Oh, I know I need to use PicFu. And they'll, be, they'll tell us like year after year, I know I should be using it. I know I should be using it, but I don't know how or where or who. And it, it would be nice to have one of you in front of all of our, <laughs> in front of all, all of our customers, helping them strategize because a lot of them are, they might have a lot of great brand ideas or product innovation or, but they're not necessarily great at like the business building. And especially planning for scale is the challenge. Right. Yeah. And I see you guys as a massive scaling augmentation <clears throat> tool. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when I'm called in some respects, like an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, oh my God, we're at $10 million. We're growing at 50% a year. We just, without throwing bodies at this whole organization, we just have no idea how to roadmap our way to say a hundred million dollars in scale. We just don't know how to do that. Yeah. And so giving them a blueprint that they can follow as a business that's digestible from a change management perspective as a business, mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of what we both do. And we bring scalability to these organizations that are just growing. A lot of them are growing super fast. And they, what got you from zero to $10 million in 
GMV, for example, is not going to get you from 10 to $100 million a year in GMV. It just won't. It won't scale. Yeah, I think we, we plug into organizations in similar <laughs> ways. So it's super exciting. If people want to get a hold of you, are, are they best to just reach out to you, Justin Chen on LinkedIn, or would you prefer that they just go to the PickFu website? It's, I'll put the links in the show notes, but it's PickFu, dot is your website. How do you like people to, to reach out to you? Yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best. I'm, I'm pretty active on there. So if they want to uh, send me a message there or, or connect, I'm, I'm happy to. Really appreciate your time. This has been a fantastic conversation. I can't wait to uh, speak to you. Cool. Thanks for having me, Jason. Are you a B2B or D2C e-commerce merchant? Then head over to greenwoodconsulting.net to learn how we can help you scale your business.